the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever dear. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh of the Gospel Defender Ministries. This gospel message will encourage and equip those who have ears to hear to be a Christian, clothed with the armor of a gospel defender. Ladies and gentlemen, on six different occasions, the Apostle Paul wrote in one form or another, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Among the many desires of Paul was that his spiritual brethren would know God's will for their lives. This desire that Paul had for his brethren ought to be the desire of every leader in the church that Jesus built. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Unfortunately, we have many ignorant brethren among us. In some cases, they are ignorant because they do not take the time to study the Word of God for themselves, to actually know what it says. And in some cases... These ignorant brethren refuse to come to the assembly of Christ's people where the word of God is taught. And in an increasing number of cases, many ignorant brethren are attending a body of Christ where modern-day seeker-friendly methods leave little, if any, room for the teaching and preaching of God's word. This brotherly ignorance has severely diminished the power the church once had and has severely diluted the doctrine of the apostles of Jesus Christ. As far as the Apostle Paul was concerned, there was no excuse for ignorant brethren. On six different occasions, he made a personal effort to educate such brethren. The first such occasion is cited in Romans 1, verse 13. Now, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, 
that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. Though he probably did not establish the Roman Church of Christ, the Apostle Paul had a strong yearning to go to Rome to visit with the Christians there, and he wanted them to know it. Paul was Jewish, and the church in Rome was predominantly Gentile, but this did not matter to him. He longed to be with his spiritual brethren, to fellowship with them in the word. There was division in the Roman church of Christ, and he wanted to guide them through it. We would to God that this was the heart's desire of all of God's people today, to be with their brethren when the church assembles on the Lord's day for Bible study. But such is not the case. Many who profess to have repented of their sins and obeyed the gospel have little interest in being with their brethren except on Sunday mornings. They are nowhere to be found when the Lord's Day evening assembly or midweek Bible study is held. They can be found almost anywhere except with their brethren. This was not the case with the Apostle Paul. He wanted to be with the brethren even when they were hundreds of miles away, and he did not want them to be ignorant of that fact. The second occasion in which the Apostle Paul made a personal effort to educate his ignorant brethren is that which is found in Romans 11, verse 25. For I do not, brethren, want you to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Concerning this mystery, the apostle said, I do not, brethren, want you to be ignorant. The ninth chapter of Romans is an apostolic discussion of the failure of the Jewish nation because of her unbelief in Jesus as the Messiah to submit to God's ultimate will that was manifested in Jesus Christ. Because of the Jews' unbelief, the Gentiles were granted entrance into the grace of God. Those who would take the time to read Romans 9 through 11 would be surprised to discover how this apostolic discussion differs from the denominational presentation of this same subject. There is much ignorance in the religious world today concerning the place the Jewish nation now occupies in God's grand scheme of things. Many are under the ignorant assumption that Israel is still God's chosen nation, and that in spite of their rejection of Christ, the Jews are still God's primary object of attention. A close reading of Romans 9 through 11 would go a long way in clearing up a lot of the ignorance that is taught today concerning this subject. The truth is, God's chosen people are those who have accepted 
his only begotten Son as the Christ, through their obedience to the gospel. All who are in the church, Jew and Gentile, male and female, bond and free, black and white, are in New Testament Israel. The attention of God is directed not toward a nation, but toward individuals. If you are a Christian, you are the apple of God's eye, not a nation that has denied and that continues to not deny the Son of God and that has rejected God's New Testament revelation. The only brethren we have who believe that Jesus Christ is coming again to sit on the throne of David in a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem with animal sacrifices being made in its court are ignorant brethren. We are often asked whether or not these ignorant brethren are saved or lost. As for me, I'll let God handle that issue, but in the meantime, like Paul, I will try to educate them out of their ignorance. And then the third occasion in which Paul was determined to educate his ignorant brethren is that found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank of that same spiritual drink. As we have already noted, in the case of the Roman Church of Christ, the church was badly divided because of the ethnic makeup of the church. In the case of the Corinthian Church of Christ, however, the church was badly divided because of doctrinal ignorance. When we come to 1 Corinthians, Paul deemed it necessary to remind his ignorant brethren of their historical background. The apostle reminded them that when their ancestors came out of Egyptian captivity, before they ever got into the promised land, they were first baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. The cloud, the cloud of God's presence, the Shekinah, was over them and the sea was all around them. Both the cloud and the sea engulfed them. No one got to the promised land without receiving this baptism into Moses. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that the same is true today for anyone wanting to reach the real eternal promised land of the new Jerusalem. Except a man or woman is baptized into Christ, immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ, that person will not see the real eternal promised land. Most of the denominational world is ignorant of this. Some who claim to be part of the New Testament church that Jesus built are also ignorant of this, even including some of her preachers. They are either ignorant of this or just don't believe it, since they never preach to their congregation the necessity of baptism for salvation. And because they never preach it, the brethren in many places are ignorant brethren 
as far as this doctrinal point is concerned. The fourth occasion of Paul attempting to reach the minds of his ignorant brethren is that of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Paul was so concerned about his brethren being ignorant concerning spiritual gifts that he wrote chapters 12, 13, and 14 of the first Corinthians epistle. It would be good if some congregations would read those chapters occasionally, and not only read them, but do an in-depth exegetical study of them. If they did, perhaps they would not be ignorant concerning the doctrine of spiritual gifts. Ladies and gentlemen, if someone tells you they have been baptized with the Holy Spirit and are able to speak in tongues, you are talking to an ignorant person. If someone tells you they have been baptized with the Holy Spirit and can heal your cancer, arthritis, pneumonia, or the heebie-jeebies, you are talking to an ignorant person. If someone tells you they have been baptized with the Holy Spirit and can handle poisonous snakes, you should make a run for it just in case they want to start doing it in your presence. Only ignorant brethren worship and elevate the Holy Spirit above the Son of God. Only ignorant brethren believe they possess the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit and are able to do what only the apostles and those upon whom the hands of the apostles were laid could do. The reason these people are ignorant is because they have rejected the truth of the scriptures in favor of their deluded experiences. Ignorant brethren dismiss the facts of God's word in favor of their experiential feelings. The fifth occasion of Paul making an effort to educate his ignorant brethren is found in his statement of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength, so that we despaired even of life. The ministry is not for sissies. It is filled with tribulations and burdens and troubles. The world is hostile to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, but so is the church in some places. Contrary to what is preached from behind some pulpits, the Christian life is not a bed of roses, and the Christian ministry is more often than not spent in a briar patch. Paul reminded his brethren that he and others had had much trouble in Asia because of his preaching the gospel, and that it got so bad that he didn't care if he lived or died. The Christian ministry can have this kind of effect upon a genuine laborer for Christ. The closer you get to making the truth known, the more upset some people get with the message. Preach against unqualified elderships and for a qualified eldership, and people will trouble you, especially an unqualified eldership. 
preach against denominational altar calls and sinners' prayers, and four, New Testament baptism into Christ, and people will trouble you, especially those whose relatives have prayed the sinner's prayer and responded to an altar call, but who say they are Christians. Preach against unfaithfulness and for committed lives, and people will trouble you, especially those who seldom darken the doors of the church building. Preach against the sins of the congregation and for holiness to be lived by God's people, and people will trouble you, especially those who are living ungodly, unholy, worldly lives. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, and especially any man listening who may be thinking about being ordained as an evangelist. Preach the whole counsel of God and get ready for trouble. And then another case of Paul's effort to squash ignorance among his brethren is found in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. The church of Christ at Thessalonica was worried about the events of the coming of Christ. They were worried about what would happen to those brethren who were dead when Christ returned. To be honest, I have the same concern about some of my brethren who are alive in the flesh, but who are dead in Christ. But the concern the Thessalonians had was what was going to happen to their Christian brethren who had died physically before Christ returned. They evidently did not understand that when Christ comes again, even those who are in the graves will resurrect to go to be with the Lord. It would seem that we have not overcome this ignorance in the church concerning what will take place when Christ comes again. If we did, then perhaps there would be a greater effort to bring people to Christ in this life since evangelism is seldom seen in most congregations, we cannot help but wonder if some of our ignorant brethren even believe in the resurrection of the dead and the judgment that will follow. Most people in the church have never led a soul to Christ, and because of this, millions of people will be lost on the judgment day. Everyone will resurrect, but not to eternal life. Jesus said in John 5, verses 28 and 29, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Evidently some ignorant brethren reject the doctrine of eternal damnation, other ignorant brethren reject the doctrine of the judgment. And many ignorant brethren apparently reject the whole idea of Christ coming again. Because of this ignorance, few Christians take the word of God to anyone. The only reason most of us know the truth about the doctrines of death and the resurrection and the judgment is because someone in our past would not have us to be ignorant about these matters. On six different occasions, Paul wrote that 
He did not want his brethren to be ignorant. He was not the only apostle to be so concerned. One other apostle encouraged his brethren not to be ignorant. The apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, Beloved, do not be ignorant of this one thing, that with the Lord one day is, a th is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. This statement of Peter was written in the context of the coming judgment of God upon ungodly men. There were those in Peter's day who scoffed at the idea that Christ would return, and when he did, the heavens and the earth would be set ablaze with the fervent heat of a judgmental fire that would dissolve the heavens and melt the elements. Peter said he did not want his brethren to be ignorant of this one thing. It was as if Peter were saying, You can be ignorant of a lot of things, but this one thing, you dare not be ignorant. As a preacher of the gospel for more than five decades, I am convinced that some of my brethren are willfully ignorant, for they do not really believe that he is actually coming again. How could anyone really believe he is coming again and only occasionally be around the table of the Lord that has his words, this do in remembrance of me, inscribed on it. How could anyone really believe he is coming again and never attend Bible school or midweek Bible study to learn more of his supernatural revelation, the Word of God, the Bible? How could anyone really believe he is coming again and not contribute financially to his kingdom's work? How could anyone really believe he is coming again and prefer to be some place on the Lord's day other than the assembly of God's people, the church? How could someone really believe he is coming again and be half naked like the world, talk like the world, and behave like the world? Those who do these things with little, if any hesitation, are ignorant brethren. Ladies and gentlemen, whoever said ignorance is bliss was ignorant of God's Word. Ignorance of the Word of God is very hazardous to your eternal health. It can cause a person to go to hell. The more of the Word of God one knows, the more likely it is that he will go to the New Jerusalem on the Judgment Day. The less of the Word of God one knows, the more likely it is that that person will go to hell on the Judgment Day. Those who do not know Christ will be lost in eternity. Ask the average religious person what Christ said to do for salvation, and they don't have a clue. They may suggest the sinner's prayer, but have no idea where or when Christ said to pray such a prayer. Of course, they really can't be blamed for this, since he never said this. Neither did any of his apostles. But these religious people don't know that. Most people only mouth what they have heard someone else say about God's Word. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Christ said, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever 
of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not surrender. I'll not surrender. I'll not surrender. I know I'll always be a gospel defender. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh speaking. You have just heard another Gospel Defender Ministries radio broadcast brought to you by the church that Jesus built that preaches all of the word to all of the world. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So find someone today who will immerse you into Christ today before it is everlastingly too late. Our mailing address is Gospel Defender Ministries, Post Office Box 575, Chillicothe, C-H-I-L-L-I-C-O-T-H-E, Chillicothe, Ohio, zip 45601. You can also contact us through the World Wide Web at gospel-defender.org or by email at agosdef, A-G-O-S-D-E-F, agosdef at roadrunner.com. At your request, a written transcript or an audio copy of today's message will be sent to you free of charge with no obligation from you now or in the future. We need to hear from you as soon as possible. So please, take the time to contact us today. Now until you and I meet again at this same time and at this same place, our prayer is that you will be steadfastly set for the defense of the gospel. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.